Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Dimitra Gray Show. Today we have a special <laughs> guest again. A very special guest. My husband, Jordan Gray. Is that your imitation of my voice? The, the first two words. My husband, <laughs> my sweet love, Jordan Gray. Maybe you should just talk the whole episode. You could do our I'll different... play both, both parts. <laughs> uh, today, we have a special topic that is kind of a continuation from last episode, but you could listen to them in any order. Um, and so in case you didn't listen to the other one, the structure... Yeah, it's like a, it's like almost a part two, but probably more of like an episodic. It's a, it's a two-episode season but it does yeah but it doesn't have to go in order correct definitely does not so yeah the structure if you didn't hear last week's episode is a couple weeks ago i asked dimitra hey for the next two episodes what if we played a game where we secretly so the one the person who's being interviewed doesn't know the questions and the interviewer writes down five questions the official rule originally was that we're going to do like go through three three of the questions and the interviewee could skip one. Um, but then in your episode, we did all five. So I mean, you're not going to skip any, probably. Maybe you will. Totally. I, that was just in... I don't know why that was part of the structure. I just thought <laughs> in case someone wanted the safety of like, okay, we'll go anywhere. And if there's one that I don't want to talk about publicly, you know, now or whatever. So... Yeah, questions that each of us writes down that the interviewee is surprised by and doesn't know about. So yeah, we so, did your episode, and today's the me more episode. Yeah, last time Jordan asked me a bunch of questions, and I cried a lot. You did. And this time, I am going to ask Jordan questions. So I came up with my questions. I sort of have more than five. Let me find them. That's fine. It makes total sense. Technically, I have six, but uh, one of them kind of has two questions inside it. But Jordan answers things so efficiently sometimes. Like, he just... Sometimes. Sometimes. You do like to talk. Like, you would talk for a while, but you... Sometimes you give very just, like, succinct answers in a way that I pretty much never do. Correct. I can't think of any time when I am succinct. That is not a word anybody would ever use to describe me. Agreed. <laughs> but Jordan can be very succinct, or succinct and potent in his but all, succinctness. But yeah, there's also like, you know, you can't predict when. I, I agree. There are times where yeah. I, yeah, someone asked me a big profound question and I, you know, think for five seconds and then I answer it in like six words. Yes. And that is kind of all I want to say. But then other times you might ask a simple question that I riff on for 20 minutes. Yeah, so. you really do have that that variance because sometimes you tell stories and you talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, which I love about you. Thanks. But you can, you can do that. So you have both. Yeah. Um. Okay. Are you ready? Shall we, Dive shall we in? get right in? Yeah. So I think... I'm just going to ask them in the order that I probably in the order that they are okay. here. That's what I did. Uh, and Up to you. I feel like, I don't know, we'll see where the 
be. Like, I feel like there's a good balance of heavy and light in ways. I'm sure people could assume this, but just in case it isn't self-evident, they're on Deemster's phone. She's looking at them. I can't currently see the list. I'm still completely in the dark. So when you say, like, oh, I'm going to ask them an order, I don't know what the order is. <laughs> yeah, I guess it doesn't matter to anybody but me. That's fine. Yeah. I'm just letting them know that I, I can't see them. Okay. It's probably I'm obvious. I'm just talking but... because it's uh, I'm abiding time before I ask the question. <laughs> yeah. Let's get in. Okay. First question. What are the main things you'd want to share with someone considering suicide? I knew it. I, not this exact question, but I figured the first question would be suicide-related. But what I share with someone, the main things I consider sharing with someone is considering suicide. Yeah. Or just like what you sort of took away. Jordan had a suicide attempt when he was 15. Yep. And... Many months of suicidal ideation and another season after that, outside of that. Um, <clears throat> there's considering it. Uh, I mean, yeah, my first thought is like, there's a lot of calibration. I would say different things to different people depending on age, circumstance. Um, so I can speak to some. I have an article called Four Reasons Not to Kill Yourself. Read this first. I can also ask it in a different way. That's maybe more what I'm uh, sort of aiming at, which is like, like, what did you need at that time? What did I need? Yeah. To hear? Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. I see. I see the question. Yeah. I mean, I think if I was like really going for the jugular of what I needed at that time as a 15-year-old, it would probably center around like, you're not a mistake. We want you here. (laughs) Anyone benefits from your existence Or could in the future. I don't think I even would have needed, like, that's already true. As much as there's the capacity for that being true. Ever. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think I've, I've definitely written this before publicly. But, yeah, like, there was just a clear and obvious sense of, like, I'm doing the world, my family, people who know me a favor. Like, it's not like... Like, sorry, I know everyone's going to be crushed by this, but I'm like, I've got to for my own escaping pain. It just seemed like, yeah, it it felt like there was like a desire for it. Like, from others. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, somewhere between being, yeah, a nuisance or unwanted or invisible um, or just a net negative in one or multiple ways. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I've never tied these parts together, but, you know, in our friend group, primary friend group back home, um, we do love bombs at 
birthdays. Like, you know, whoever's birthday it is, we do like a whatever, 30 minute, maybe to an hour. Each person sits down and like says loving words to them. And I know that one of the regular themes over the last couple of years from certain friends in particular has been quite like, you're really a stand for people's greatness. You really see the best in people and are like quick to reflect those things back to them. Um, Yeah. And maybe there's some overlap in that, like in actualizing potential, becoming who we have the capacity to become. Um, Yeah. Like maybe there's some tie in, in there that I guess more on the like immediate back end of my suicide attempt, there was really a, a very like clear, explicit, pivotal decision in my mind of like, okay, well, if I'm going to be here for any more, like for any length of time past this, I might like, if I'm going to do anything, I might as well just like channel and harness my life experience and what I've been through and my journey, my process, like into something that could help someone ever. And that was like my next, you know, baton pass in life was I'll make myself useful by the time I'm 30. I'll do something. Mm. And if I don't, you know, at around that age, it was more like, if I'm not a millionaire by 30, then I'll kill myself. But I think that was just a stand in for like, I can make anything of my pain of my life that could benefit others. And so that was enough of a, okay, well, if I'm just, if I'm committing to the next leg of the journey with this like one foot in, fuck it, we'll see. This is all just a bonus round at this point because I'm not dead. It didn't feel like a bonus. I wasn't happy about it early on, but it was just like, okay, well, if I'm playing, if I'm doing another lap, then I'll, you know, yeah, I just like, let's see if I can be useful. Was well, Why do you think that that was the next sort of like way you thought about it? Um, I don't know. I feel like <clears throat> even at my, there's, you know, in, in attachment theory, there's the like, you know, avoidance and anxious, <clears throat> anxiously attached and avoidantly attached people. Um, it's like, it's a, you know, it's a seesaw from opinion of self, opinion of other. So um, avoidant people tend to have a, uh, I think it's higher opinion of self and lower opinion of other, whereas anxious attached have a lower opinion of self and higher opinion of other. Um, I, you know, on that spectrum tended to, it's easy for me to believe in other people and Mm. their capacity and their, like what they can become. Um, Whereas, yeah, I've, you know, from bullying and childhood shame um, have tended to, I default more to low opinion of self. And so, Yeah, it's like, okay, if I'm this, like, raw lump of clay that I can maybe form, you know, something out of, mm, I don't know. 
I guess, yeah, just like for me, I needed the, it has to be like the point has to be serving others because serving others has any value doing a thing that's like just self-serving. I didn't see that as like, that's not motivating for me. But why do you think you didn't get there before your suicide attempt? I'm not sure. I feel like a factor that I don't think it was like the turning point, but something that was one of the most, you know, as receptive as I could be in the state that I was in. Like I was in a children's, um, children's hospital suicide watch ward for several days after the suicide attempt. And there was a seven, you know, maybe eight, eight year old boy in there with me there's three of us it was me uh i was gonna say a woman but it was a girl it was a child yeah me at 15 a girl who i'd assume was 13 ish and a boy who was eight and yeah i mean as a you know i was decently tall kind of all the way through so at 15 i don't know i might have been like six foot three ish Jordan six foot seven now if you don't six know foot seven yeah but yeah I, I came into high school at, at like six one so it's probably about about six three um <clears throat> at 15 so you know I was definitely the like physically largest presence in the room even though it was the children's uh suicide ward um but yeah seeing an eight-year-old like that was part of it like being in there being like, you know, the first time I tried to cut myself, I was eight years old. And so like, I, I wasn't like, wow, how can an eight year old be depressed? I got it. But still being 15 and seeing the eight year old boy being like, wow, what could the pain like, what could the pain be like for an eight year old to like really go that hard and try to do something suicide attempt wise to get them in the same room as me. Hmm. And like, again, it's, it's, it's Yeah. It's always been easier for me to find motivation um, through other people, through observing other people, through, um, I don't know. It just, that's always felt like it's an easier, well, that's worth it. <sighs> if I stick around so that I can help, you know, future young me's or some equivalent. Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> that my motivation source has always been very relational. And so like doing things that are purely self-serving have a very short fuse on them or just like don't hold much weight. <clears throat> Whereas, yeah, if I can quickly tie it to what could this do for others? How could this mm. save anyone else? Not save, but, you know, keep anyone else from a similar outcome that I can squeeze juice out of forever. Wow. I don't think I ever knew that there are two other kids there with you in the room. Yep. I don't think I ever heard that part of the story. Yep. That's a part of it. And because I don't know why I didn't have like visible cut marks, maybe because in the like intake interview, they asked if I'd ever self-harmed and I said, yes, I was the only one of the three of us. The food was awful. But I was only one of the three kids that I wasn't allowed to have metal cutlery. Oh my gosh. And the other two were. 
And I remember feeling like a little bit of a badass because they saw me like, like there was a note, like the you know, only plastic cutlery for Jordan. And they were both like looking at me like a little like, oh, is he like more dangerous? And I didn't like, yeah, you know, I didn't look at them and, you know, I didn't play into it. I was, you know, still myself, you know, the, the essence is always shining through is a belief of mine. Um, but yeah, absolutely. It's like, no, not, you know. The three of us were not allowed, you're not allowed belts, you're not allowed shoelaces, you're not allowed mouthwash, like anything that you could possibly do any damage to yourself with. Mm. Very, but they were both allowed to have metal cutlery and I wasn't. And yeah, I remember my ego being like, I'm a bit, you know, maybe I'm a bit more fucked up than either of you in some way. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, um, I mean, yeah, I think anyone as as sad as a children's hospital suicide ward, you know, which, you know, what you're, what you could imagine, it's that. It was awful. It's mm-hmm. like, what a horrific place to be. Yeah. Like, these kids are still an active threat to themselves. That's why, each night you're there, that's why you're there. Yeah. Because you haven't said to the therapist, oh yeah, I, you know, we'll never try it again. I regret doing it. Whatever bullshit you have to say to leave. You know, I wasn't at all fine when I left, but I was just like, oh, each day there's, there, you know, there's a session. You talk with a child therapist who I thought was super useless. Um, yeah. By whatever day three, I was just like, oh, they're just waiting for me to say the correct thing. So they're not legally obligated or, you know, implicated yeah. if I do it again. So I just say the right thing. I go home. Okay. What um, a shitty way to like, yeah. It was, yeah. There, there was, you know, there was any value in me being there and... Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to shit on the medical system about it, you know. In Canada, it was free. It's a service. Um, Yeah, almost every, I mean, every therapist I saw under the age of 17, um, you know, legally accredited proper therapist was beyond useless, was harmful. Mm. Um, So maybe a part of my disdain for walking that path. Yeah. You know, I was just like, okay. These people, you know, have their governing board and have all, you know, multiple certificates on the wall and they couldn't have been less human with me. Yeah. Like, truly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's a factor. Yeah. Uh, I have one more follow-up question for yeah. you, but I, I need to shift position. Um, so, we're, it's going to make some noise on the mic, but I just need to... Uh, Currently, my neck is, like, turned toward Jordan, and it's starting to hurt my neck, so I just need to change. Can I put my leg here? Yeah. We're sitting on the bed. Yes. Um, still in South Carolina, still away from home. Still in South Carolina. We're sitting on the bed together. Okay. It's a sunny day out. <laughs> okay. Um. Quick just follow-up question is... Uh, no touch your leg. Yeah. Okay. Um, when did that thought... So you had mentioned that you were kind of like, if I'm not a millionaire by 30, I'm going to kill myself. Like, I'll end it then. Like, at what age did did that thought stop? Stop? Um, 30. At, like, at 30, you were like, okay, I'm not going to do it ever. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would say, yeah, I like, <clears throat> I mean, 30 was a threshold turning 30. Yeah. Like that number had been significant. That age had been significant for me from not from the suicide attempt, but that was more like an eight year old thought. Like even before then I had that thought for sure before my teens. Um, I remember it quite vividly. <clears throat> um, yeah. So I feel like 30 was a threshold and I feel like I, yeah, probably did deeper work around really retiring that at 30. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 29, 30. Like there was a specific therapist that I worked with around that and was like, yeah, okay. This was bonus round. And you know, this, this was like the baton pass from 15 to 30. And maybe I like now just disassemble that button in my mind as like being an option. Hmm. So. Hmm. Yeah. I love you. I love you too. I'm glad that you're here. Thanks. Me too. Uh, okay. Are you ready for the next question? Yeah. Okay. Uh, What's your favorite kind of <laughs> cotton candy? <laughs> Kind of, but not that. Okay. Uh, but a bit of a tone change. Mm-hmm. What are the things that you have in our relationship that your past relationships didn't have? Like what was, uh, what were sort of like the new qualities that uh, you found with me that like your past relationships were missing? <clears throat> I see. If any exes are listening to this, <laughs> I'm grateful for your part in my journey and I benefited from all of it. I'm grateful too to your exes. As I feel about yours. Um, I mean, the, yeah, like the biggest, loudest pivots, areas of differentiation. Um, yeah, I mean, the... Two immediately came to mind even before you finished the question, once I knew what you were asking. Um, yeah, first is just like how much I love your mind, love talking to you, love and respect your ideas, the art you make. Um, yeah, just like so, I mean, before we met in person, but especially when we first met in person, just this like easy sense of like, I could talk to you forever. Mm. Like here, this is a conversation I can do for decades. Um, and that was absent with any prior partner. Um, yeah, that feels like big thing. Number one. And, um, actually a third just came to me. Second is, yeah, my body has never felt more at home, relaxed with anyone ever, romantically. Um, I thought of, you know, I have one one friend Mm -hmm. who I feel very safe and very that with. But romantic partner, yeah, it's like just, you know, if whoever's listening can imagine, like, if you've ever been somewhere in the world, a room, a city, whatever, where your gut, like your literal gut, stomach, torso, just like releases and relax in a way that you'd never felt prior. It's that like just being around you. I mean, always, but 
early on when it was like a new thing. I was just like, my body has never felt this relaxed around someone at mm. all. And that is huge. Like there was just, there was always some tension or like on edgedness or uncertainty or yeah, it, it, it's even minimizing to call it like body doubt because it wasn't doubt. It was like misalignment. This isn't, this isn't home. Um, so that is big. And then the last one, which very ties into both of those, but especially the one I was just most recently talking about, um, the ease of sexual attraction, just like, yeah, from that place of relaxedness and comfort. Hmm. Um, yeah, I've never had as easy free flowing arousal for a partner in all states, all of my emotional states, all of your different, you know, the seasons of our last five years. Um, yeah, my body is just like a very persistent divining rod of like feeling great about you. Mm. And that's, yeah, that's either been, um, absent or at best intermittent, um, or I had to like will myself into at least a percentage of that state with past partners across many years. Like it just, yeah. Um, it feels like a secondary, you know, a downstream byproduct mm. like because of the safety and connection and ease and respect and love and all of it. Yeah. My body is just like, yeah, this person. Mm -hmm. And yeah, all three of those things were absent. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because the third one, you wouldn't have known that initially, right? Like you can kind of look back now and be like, that wasn't there with the others, but now, right? Um, No, as in, are you saying like that that one revealed itself with time? Yeah. No. Um, because didn't you, you, no. No, uh, especially in the several years of, you know, like anyone I dated three to five years prior to us starting dating, uh, quite the opposite. I had like, yeah, I really, from, you know, forcing, overriding my body into hundreds of sexual situations that I you know, a deeper part of me did not want or didn't feel um, congruent with. I actually had quite significant, like, anxiety around sex and wouldn't get hard easily at all with any newish partner. Hmm. Even if they were my monogamous girlfriend, you know, in my, you know, 27 to 31. Um, so, no, the, like, the immediacy and durability, you know, sustainability, ongoingness of my erections with you, that was absolutely new. Oh, interesting. I mean, I don't know about new, you know, like I, maybe I dated someone for like a month when I was 18 and I was 18 right. and like I'm talking about like, you know, as a adult, not a fetus little boy. Um, yeah, no, that was definitely a thing. Huh. 
Yeah, so I guess I just thought about it that way because for me, I have that with you, but for me, that was only something I kind of learned over time because in all my past relationships, it was kind of like by year two, year end of year one, I was kind of like, I'm not really attracted to you anymore. Totally. But I've yeah. only gotten more attracted to you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Both. Like, that's also a factor for me. I'd never had a five-year relationship. And absolutely, when I crossed the year threshold with any previous partner, um, yeah, other factors usually of misalignment would be like, okay, yeah, like you're not, mm. you know, you're not going to marry this person. So this feels more dissonant. Why would you keep being aroused by the same person that you don't want to be with if you want someone to be with for decades? Mm-hmm. So yeah, both, both upfront and the multi-year. Okay. This is like really holding strong and, you know. Yeah, just better, easier, ongoingly. I think it's actually a really fascinating question. Like, I would love to be able to ask a bunch of, like, happily married couples just what was the thing or what were the things that, that, because when you think about, like, when you choose someone to marry, it's like, okay, this is it. Like, I'm done. Like, I'm complete now. Yeah. And so it's like, what were those things that were so important to you that like... Yeah. If you had had prior dating experiences with other people... Right. With other people, yeah, yeah. There will be people who, you know, never dated anyone else. Exactly. But... Yeah. For those people, it's like, yeah, what were the di- the differentiating factors? Like, what were the... Okay, this is different and this is what I want. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I was going to say, like, I do feel fortunate, like... Um, yeah, there were past partners like I felt, you know, emotionally safe with once I crossed the threshold in my mind of like my emotions, you know, it's possible for them to not be disgusting or burden. Like I can also, yeah, like, yeah, other things there were like, you know, at least pieces of through that process. But yeah, those all feel like the biggest like, this was different and different in a phenomenal way that I just wanted to be around forever. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next question. He said as uh, her wedding ring glinted in the sun. Where we get the sun is coming in through the windows a little bit. Uh, so this is the question that kind of has, like, two parts to okay. the same thing. Okay. Okay. Ask away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what scares you about becoming a father? Can you tell me both parts or start with that? Start with that? Uh, yeah. Just start with that. Okay. What scares me about becoming a father? Um, I could, I'll tell you both parts. The first part is what scares you and then the other part is what are you looking forward to the most? So it's kind of like just both sides. Got it. Hmm. What scares me? And just so you all know, I am not currently pregnant. I'm just preparing for the future. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> it's funny. I yeah. <laughs> Two days ago on the circle call, I said a similar thing where I was talking about kids, and I was like, you know, like being Demetra's future kids, and I was like, I was like, that wasn't an announcement. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, in our hopeful hypothetical future that we're cultivating um 
are afraid of about it. Um, yeah, I mean, there's layers in that wording, like there's, are there currently things that I'm like terrified of and in active resistance to? No, I guess, yeah, just more what comes up that is, I don't know, I want to say scary, but like not just kind of like. That gives you pause. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, my uh, a therapist I've been talking to quite part-time over the last two years um she reflected to me recently and she was like you really do a lot of your work like in advance i was <laughs> like yeah i do like it's like very preemptive very proactive and it's yeah uh quite accurate in many situations um you know i've like been reading they're all at home right now so i don't have access to them physically currently but like you know i bought a bunch of parenting books and you know pregnancy books um or like you know how how dad you know dad to be can like help mom during pregnancy stuff like that um yeah like i bought those last year and i've been reading through different ones at different paces um so yeah like the first feeling just like i you know if it's worth doing it's worth doing well i like doing things not just sufficiently but proficiently um so like you know what will it be like to live up to my own standards in this completely new realm um you know i've been an older cousin and an uncle to kids and i've had quite a you know good amount of like flight time with babies and toddlers um so yeah what gives me pause about it Yeah, I know one thing that we've talked about a few times is like, yeah, I think we both are of the mind of when we have one, like we want mm. a bunch and, you know, three plus. <clears throat> and there's a part of me that's, you know, that can be concerned about at a certain potential threshold of noise, mm. like just sheer volume. Um, I'm quite sound sensitive in general uh, especially at certain times of day like just when I've woken up and winding down for bed I like can really um, just everything's like eight times louder and can be quite grating on me um, so I worry about that I like okay if we have four kids and you know one or multiple of them are like just very vocal and like screaming and I don't know, throwing stuff, it, you know, it doesn't feel super likely with the type of kids and household we're going to, you know, we intend to hold, but yeah. And even that is less like, oh, I'm afraid about the, the noise and more if there's a threshold of noise that like I sometimes need to leave the room for, or like put, you know, my like ear enclosing headphones over my ears just to like dampen the sound it's more, again, more other people focus. It's like the impact of that. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want our kids to like receive a lot of, you know, implicitly a lot of messaging around like, oh, I'm too much. I'm annoying. I can't ever be 
noisy or expressed um, because dad would like, you know, partially cover his ears so that I was less, mm. you know, like that's, that's more what it goes to. Mm-hmm. Will my sensitivity, which, you know, I feel in good relationship with, you know, um, yeah, will aspects of my sensitivity stimulation wise, uh, be hindrances to their own, to our kids' self-concept, to their self-perception. Um, that's something I think about. Um, I also have, you know, see-through earplugs that I could, like, covertly pop in, and it wouldn't be as visible. So, you know, I, I think of workarounds of how I can achieve the, achieve the same effect while not having them, you know, see Dad with, like, a big contraption on his head that, you know, its purpose is to make us quieter. Um, but we'll explain it to them, and yeah, but, but you know, their mother will let them scream at the top of their lungs. Totally, <laughs> I know. Yeah, just yeah. Even having any of that mm-hmm. interpretable message of sometimes I do things for dad for people that are like too much, and I need to mm-hmm. I need to be less. Um. Yeah. But I also, you know, I think we talked about this. Like, I also had that uh, before marrying you. Like, when we, were, yeah. when we were engaged, I think it was during the engagement, maybe before, but like primarily during the engagement, I had exactly that. Like, I had a layer, a wave of that fear of, like, you know, sometimes early morning or going to bed, like, I need you to, you know, it's, it's quite a common practice for us, especially in the late evenings or, like, you know, when laying in bed and going to you know, pre-going to sleep, just talking. We, like, whisper talk as a default. And, yeah, I believe during the engagement, our engagement, that was a part that my mind was scanning, like, am I making Demetra less in any way by needing her to be more, you know, physically soft-spoken ever? Mm. Um, and, yeah, like, that just... Um, hits something in me that I just don't want to it's the opposite of actualizing potential hey can you be like be a little bit less even in one percent of moments on my account yeah Mm -hmm. it's something I can track and be aware of um yeah on like the doing things well piece like am I am I handy enough like handyman wise (laughs) Will I have, like, you know, it's been a big piece. I don't know if I've written or talked about this much publicly, but, like, yeah, will um, I really, like, you know, I can I can spend a lot of energy in prevention versus sufficiency. And so, like, wanting a stupid amount of cash on hand <laughs> before each kid's born, you know, like, there is a part of me that feels like, um, you know, the day... Each of our three, four, we'll see however many kids we have. Like, if I don't have a hundred grand to immediately pop into an education fund that will compound for 20 years, if I don't have that, it's irresponsible of me to have a kid. Yeah. Like, there's there's something that, you know, yeah, it's, again, it's not sufficiency, it's um, the prevention, but it's, like, beyond prevention. It's, like, I need to be, like, way overprepared. So that 
there's very minimized chance of me fucking this up in multiple pillars. Yeah. Jordan wishes that we could have, like, all of the money that the kid is going to cost us throughout their whole life if we do, we have to have that all before they're born. Yeah. <laughs> totally. That's in there. Yeah. 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 I had a lot of money anxiety as a very young kid. And so, yeah, there's definitely a, like, it's, you know, it's classic reaction formation. Like, I don't want them to experience this at all. Mm-hmm. So... How do I nuke that as a possibility? Already be way too rich before any of them were born. The hilarious thing is that I had a spirit baby reading done and she told me that one of our kids, like she didn't know anything about Jordan at all or about anything. And she told me on her own, one of our kids is going to have this like scarcity or fear around money and uh, basically like describe Jordan's childhood and I was like that's hilarious because my husband like that's a theme that's him and she was like oh then they're gonna like heal each other (laughs) yeah she said it was like coming in from a past life yeah Yeah. it was funny so who knows we'll see but it was pretty funny that that came up I want to say one more thing if you're are you do you is your answer done um well then yeah yeah, Yeah. to answer the second part i just wanted to say that in terms of your sensitivity i mean i know i know that i've said this to you before but it's such a gift Mm -hmm. and like the uh like i just want to say for anybody listening like are there ever times where i wish i didn't have to be quiet sure like you know i'm talking really loud and i'm and you're like but there's so many other parts of your sensitivity that I absolutely adore that like balances that out. And then also it's actually a gift to me to, and maybe you don't quite know this, but uh, I love that that's a part of our relationship actually that we can, that we ask each other to be quiet or to slow down. Like hmm. uh, that's something I've never had with anyone before. And I don't actually really, like, I still don't really say it to anyone else in my life because it's kind of a, like, I feel like people would normally take offense. But because it's become such a, such a part of our relationship, uh, it's so, it feels so kind to myself when I can just say to you, like, wait, can you be a little quieter? Or can you slow down? Yeah. And uh, so that's that part of that. Like, the flip of that has actually been a gift to me. Where And, like, sometimes I'm with other people and they're, like, just being too loud. Like, they're talking really loud or they're talking. And I'm, I wish that I was, like, with you. Like, I could just be like, hey, could you just, like, take it down, like, 20%? Yeah. But you can't really, like... I mean, I guess I could, but, like, it's I not really... Sometimes. Do you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that, like, I know my friends wouldn't mind, but it's just such a not a socially common thing. Yeah. <laughs> But there are so many times where I'm like, can you just like, but I get to do it with you. Mm -hmm. And so I really like that, actually. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, there is an aspect of it that feels like, yeah, like if you make someone like a really, you know, beautiful, well-intentioned, delicious meal, and they're like shoveling it back, like you don't. You're not letting it in as much as if you're like, hey, can you like 
just like to take a pause and like just like be present with the next couple bites and like just slow down and taste it like yeah by modulating volume or pacing it can very often feel exactly like that it's like i want to be taking this in and it's harder because i feel like there's you know a bit of that like rapid force feeding shoveling energy let's just like simmer down slightly so we can both be with this more yeah so yeah and so i imagine like that even if our kids sometimes feel like oh i have to be quieter they'll also get the other part of that which is like they'll have it modeled to them like i'm sure it'll be a part of our household like imagine that the whole family being able to say without offending each other just like hey could you be a little quieter or like can you just like, wait, let's pause for a minute. Or, like, can yeah. we slow down? Like, I can't even... Like, how, what a joy <laughs> to be yeah. in a house like that, totally. you know? Yeah. And so I think because we do it so much with each other, our kids will just see us doing that and it will just become a part of... Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. So. Which dovetails right into the excitement part. What am I excited for? Yeah. Yeah, I think that... Um, I'll start with there because we're start with that because we're right there right now um yeah i think one of the biggest pieces if not the biggest piece is just like the level of attunement and Mm. awareness um you know high quality mirroring that i'll be able to offer to each of our kids Mm. is like is there anything i wanted more than that in my childhood i don't think so yeah. So, like, you know, being able to really be in, you know, be curious, be in whatever the thing is with them and just be like, hey, like, how are you doing? You've been seeming a little, you know, different the last couple of days. Like, you really doing okay? And just, like, really being able to, like, have those kinds of, like, emotionally attuned check-ins, you know, on a regular basis, on an as-needed basis, and just, yeah, like, really being able to tap into each of their emotional realms in a different way. Mm. It's like, to me, that's kind of the, yeah, one of, if not the, like, peak, you know, points or just, yeah, like, things I look forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhat related to that, but different is playing with them. Um, yeah. Over the last week, we've been playing with, um, yeah, both of us in different ways. Been playing with our nephew, who's like two and a half years old right now. And yeah, just like play is also, you know, it's such a key social, interpersonal development tool that we're just, you know, this built into us as mammals. And yeah, modulating that and like, playing with him in different kinds of moods um it just has been really enjoyable Mm -hmm. and i think there's going to be you know i can we'll see if this feels as true as i say it but yeah i think or at least i definitely have um leaned more towards you know seriousness and work and adult responsibilities more than just, you know, play and lightness and ease and fun as the default. Mm. And yeah, I just, it's very easy for me to imagine having multiple kids will just be such a like, well, here's the immediately, immediately available, 
you know, energetic runaway lane to like come in from my work day and be like, okay, let's like play and wrestle and I'll, you know, flip you over on the couch and just, um, you know, or cuddle and just be with them. But like, yeah, having that kind of refreshed, you know, renewed way into your inner child Mm -hmm. by just like playing with your kids that want to play with you, at least when they're young, um, is very appealing Mm -hmm. and I look forward to that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think of like the geographical background that we're going to raise our kids in as far as we're, you know, planning right now, um, just how much nature and fresh air and yeah, connection to like real things they'll have access to just like with what our backyard is um that appeals to me and yeah there's like a healthy yeah i don't know if it's the right word but there's some almost like healthy envy of like wow like look at this childhood that you'll have Mm -hmm. as far as i can influence you know that we can't control everything but um yeah just like raising them in a way that just feels like creating like a multi-year painting of just we just get to like create this thing as years roll on and like we'll see what the the tapestry the mm-hmm. piece of art turns into yeah we can influence the colors we can influence the brush strokes there's going to be you know things that are outside of our control but yeah just the whole journey feels exciting and like an honor Mm. we can like help shape new people that's wild Mm -hmm. yeah and just like getting to model who we are individually and as a couple to them yeah it's just it's like yeah what a gift Mm -hmm. we can have little little bubs and their love imprint will be, you know, seeing me hug you and kiss you on the head and Mm. presence and warmth and yeah, all of it. Tucking them in at night, figuring out where the beds are going to (laughs) go as we have more. Just, yeah, the the whole thing. Mm. Uh, Yeah, I feel like the first thing that you said I that's something that's been coming up for me the past couple weeks and being here that I haven't hadn't really thought about as much before I think because I didn't have like as much play time with a little kid to really just like feel the power of what it will be like Uh, but I've been feeling like how much attunement I can give a child and just sort of feeling like, like what else have I done all this work for? (laughs) Really? You know, like, uh, I think before I would have said like, Oh yeah, I've done all this work to like heal myself and like whatever. And to help clients and yeah. Yeah. But then like being with a little tiny kid, 
and feeling myself able to respond in different circumstances in such a way and to like really feel them. It's just like, oh, like this is actually the point of all of that. Yeah. And like, there is nothing else that feels like more of a gift to be able to give than that. And it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm just so excited for that part. Mm-hmm. Like there, yeah, there's so many things I'm excited for about for me, but but that is like, it's a huge one that I didn't really realize until I felt it. Just like, wow, like all of this is gonna not that it had no purpose before, but like everything I've done is gonna have such a purpose, mm-hmm. and like that's a big deal that I can give that to someone. Totally. Yeah. Uh, so I have three more questions, but one we kind of already sort of answered. So, so, and I, so are you good on? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think the other ones probably won't be as long either of answers. What are your favorite things about love on the spectrum? The show? Yeah. Aww. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. If anyone doesn't know, it's a, I believe, Netflix-only series. Like, it's only on Netflix. Uh, find it in multiple countries. Yeah, it's like a... It's funny. I was going to say... Yeah. I guess you could technically say it's like a dating show for um, teens and 20-somethings, like younger-ish. For the most part, no, not exclusively. Never mind. There's a whole range, like eighteen to you know sixties. Um, yeah, I guess adults with uh, autism spectrum disorder, and yeah, it's like, dating show isn't the right phrase, but yeah, it's like documentary style. You know, it is their actual lives as they individually go on dates and try to get into relationships. Um, and what do I love about it? I mean, it just, it's so incredibly sweet. I think there, there can be such a, there can be just, yeah, like a very, like glaringly accessible inner child element to people with, uh, ASD that, Yeah, like just the uh, the lack of mind reading you have to do, just like how direct and, you know, unintentionally sweet they can be by just being themselves. Theodore's just looking at me like... Because he's describing himself. <laughs> that's what I, I figured you're... But it's true. Yeah, just like seeing... Um, yeah, I, I took the the autism spectrum disorder diagnostic test a year or two ago and yeah there's like this is the average score that someone gets who has it they don't reveal this till after you've taken it but I scored above that number and yeah when I look back on so I've not been officially diagnosed by a doctor and when I look back on my childhood and life and you know passions and interests throughout my life um I see how much masking I've done 
you know, suppressing and altering of certain things to be more of a normal, this is how humans are. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, when I think back on like how voraciously I literally studied books on social skills as a teenager, um, not because of school, you know, high school, there wasn't a class on uh, social calibration in high school. I just like just bought a lot of those books of my own accord. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's something healing for me in how, just how so easily my heart just like beams towards these people and how sweet they are and how they speak and exist and their sensory, you know, sensitivities. Um, yeah, it's like, it's really, it's a healing show. I, I know many neurotypical, neurotypical people who like also adore the show. I don't think it's like, you can only appreciate the show if you like have, you know, one foot in the door. Um, yeah, it's just, it's an incredibly heartwarming, well done series. There's multiple seasons. Uh, they have different seasons in different countries. Like there's like Love in the Spectrum, Australia, Love in the Spectrum, like US. Um, I think a third one, I don't remember the location of, but I just, I love it. It's, <laughs> it's a great show. I think the first season of it came out maybe a year and a half to two and a half years ago, maybe longer. Like it's, it's a newer thing that has taken off. I just, I love it. It's yeah, very healing and heartwarming for me. Mm. It's great. I've watched every episode of every season in every country. <laughs> I have never actually seen it, but I know Jordan loves to watch it. I do. And I saw a teeny tiny clip that came up on my Facebook the other day, and I watched it, and I was like, oh, I was like, this is so Jordan. <laughs> I was like, I know why he lo loves to watch this show. Yeah. And then I thought I'd probably like to watch it, too. It's really sweet. I Yeah, I recommend it to anyone. A lot of my favorite things about you are your more, like, spectrum-y traits. traits. Yeah. I thought of a quick story when you were talking. Can I just tell it really uh -huh, quick? Uh -huh. The yeah. other night, a very so occasionally Jordan will just do these things that, like, I think in the beginning of us dating, I just thought like this is such a quirky, funny, unique man. Yeah. Now like, I like, who who does that? Who, who says a thing like that? <laughs> now I know that. Like now I'm like, oh, all of these traits actually have like a name, and <laughs> they're they all sort of fall under this. Thing, but yeah, the other night we're out to dinner, and Jordan, the waitress, comes up to the table, and she had already like been there before, and then to get us water, to get us water, and then she came back, and you know how just like at every restaurant, like whenever they go into the specials, she's like, she said something like, she was like. So, like, like, I'll tell you about the specials or what she say? Like, can I? No, she was like, okay, like, do you guys need a couple more minutes to, like, decide what you want? Or, like, uh, we have a special tonight I can tell you about. And Jordan, without missing a beat, it was like, she finished this and she was like, she's like, we have a special I can tell you about. And Jordan was just immediately like, no, no, we don't want to hear. What did she say? Like, no. I said, no, we don't want to hear about the special, but we do know what we want to order. <laughs> yeah. Such a typical, he still is quite, <laughs> he like, 
he's just like, what do you mean? Like, I didn't want to hear about the special, which is true. Which is, I agree it, with you. It feels like it would just be an enti- complete <laughs> waste of time. I agree. Yeah. You're completely right. And that's why it's hilarious. You're just not supposed to say that. No. And it was just so funny because she just like, yeah, she's like, are you ready? Uh, can I tell you about this special? No, no, we don't want to hear about the special. We don't need to hear about the special. Uh, I can order this thing or whatever. I, or I have questions. I didn't interrupt her at all. I, no, I, but, it, but it was like there was no There's pause. No, no pause, yeah. This is another thing Jordan does often is like, you ask him a question, he doesn't like pause, he just has an immediate, usually it's with a no. Like someone says something. Do you want to do this? No. no. Like when I asked you to pet the cows when we were in Pennsylvania, we were at the farm and the, I have a video of it. It was so funny. I was like, do you want to touch the cows? No. Like no consideration. No, like, I think it sounds so funny because most people, even if they immediately know what their answer is, they still Lie. for like social yeah. calibration, they, go, they sort of like pause and they're like, um... Like, you know, how do I say this in a way that is yeah. going to make it nice? But Jordan doesn't do any of that ever. So he's just like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, we don't need to hear about the special. But we know what we want to order. <laughs> anyway, it was funny. I guess, yeah, there's like a, a default assumption. We're all optimizing for efficiency here. Like, you don't need to do that. You don't need to waste time. We're not going to order whatever you tell us. If I say no and we get to the actual thing, you can get to your next table and keep making money. Like, it just like... No, this is those <laughs> seconds. I promise you will be wasted. So let's just cut them off at the source. <laughs> and that's my favorite, and that's what I is one of my favorite things because like is so it's delightful to me. I'm glad it's just and you're right, but it's hilarious. Yeah, to witness. All right, uh, so maybe kind of the last question because the last one we've sort of touched on but i'll ask it to you then anyway in case uh what has surprised you about marriage how much bandwidth that has freed up in my mind Mm. um is one of the biggest ones like what kind of bandwidth um i mean it's yeah it's somewhat tied i mean there's kind of two yeah, two, like, layers to it. So from not dating you to dating you, so our relationship as a whole, <clears throat> how much mental energy, sexual energy, time, energy, attention that went into, um, you know, procuring sexual partners, wanting to find the person that I wanted to marry, just, like, the, like, scanning of the field to, you know, like, the, you know, football field. I don't know why it's the dating market to, like, find the person that I want to be like, I can be with you for decades. Like, that is a big threshold of, wow, I get to stop thinking about so much of that noise. Hmm. Um, And then, yeah, going from us being in a relationship, so dating, engaged, to married. uh, Yeah, there's also a threshold of, um, you know, at any point in the first, I mean years but especially for six months of us dating even though we launched right in and lived together and were very clearly a very committed taking it seriously uh couple um yeah there's still like she could leave we'll see if this sticks Mm. i like it does she actually 
um, you know, any of that uh, mind chatter existing. Um, so yeah, just the threshold of, you know, we were very clear and explicit and had many conversations around what marriage means to both of us and that we're not fucking around. And so like buying a ring that's more expensive than my car and, <laughs> you know, getting married. So it's a legal thing. You changing your last name, you, you know, you changed countries years prior, but they're just another layer of, you know, commitment, finality, um, just inness of crossing that threshold that, yeah, it just is like, okay, we're like really on each other's team. We're doing this. So yeah, I can like stop burning any mental energy around a lot of little things that tied to, we haven't done that yet. Mm. Um, so, you know, I get to be more effective in my work. I get to be more present day to day and just like be with the things I'm with. Yeah, it just, um, <clears throat> my tech friends, I'm thinking one person in particular who I know is going to listen to this. I'm like, I think this is a correct mm. analogy. Um, but it's like, you know, when a computer, when like the RAM is being, and maybe this is less valid now compared to even three years ago tech wise but like you know a computer or your phone needing to like run multiple programs simultaneously when you retire when you close mm. down you know all but one thing um yeah the computer just works so much more efficiently not trying to like juggle the simultaneous things i wouldn't know about that yeah I believe that's RAM. That's what I'm saying because my computer always has like oh, yes. 50 million things open at one True. time. Um, yeah, so it's freed up a lot of um, mental and emotional bandwidth. Um, yeah, I think not dissimilar to when we bought a house. Just like the the new sense of groundedness that comes from oh we're not renting there isn't a landlord that can say hey get out of here after all um yeah crossing the threshold of like just yeah what what kind of stuff i have access to myself the things that bubbled up in each of us once we were like okay we are husband and wife we are legally recognized as a couple this is extra a thing um yeah the the safety, the depth, the connection, the bandwidth that was a result of that was big. Mm. Um, yeah, I've written about aspects of this with like, um, I think it's in my, I'm pretty sure the exact title is, I used to think that all men who got married were idiots or something close to that. That's the headline of an article that I wrote before we got married. Um, yeah, I talk about how like it, you know, one of the big glaringly obvious things of why would men especially, you know, and men with like high income potential or high existing net worth savings, why would you get married when this person can like legally, they're entitled to half of your net worth. This is crazy. Who would ever take that bet? Um, yeah, seeing how much through a whole relationship, I think especially since our marriage, um, I've, you know, let you in more in my business and we collaborate even more than we did in our early years together. Mm. Um, yeah, to where like that point 
has now just felt like this obvious, oh, like, sure, maybe I came into our relationship with, like, a good amount of savings, but, yeah, seeing the net positive, like, how we've created an actually bigger pie by being in each other's lives in this way, like, of course, you know, we're not going to, but, like, of course, if a divorce were to happen, you would be entitled to 50% of everything, because, like, we just are force multipliers, like, we're just, we're more, you know, powerful together, Mm. it's the one plus one isn't two, one plus one equals 11 thing of just like, yeah. So that, um, I don't know if our, our sex life hasn't changed. Um, but our sex life is absolutely different than the, than the societal narrative of what married sex is like, I'm, I'm writing a piece about that right now that isn't out and we'll see if it actually comes out. So this could just be a big tease. What do you mean? <clears throat> we'll see if it comes out. I'm excited to read that piece. I know. I've been checking uh, it for weeks and it's not done yet. I mean, very intermittently. I haven't touched it in over a week. But yeah, the like, the, you know, what stand-up comics and Hollywood and rom-coms say like, oh... You know, you like sex, don't get married. Mar- you know, sex just dies when you're a married couple. Um, and how not that, our, you know, my experience has been and how healing that's been. It's mm. just been like, okay, it's not a, you know, as much as I can psychologically push back on all the conditioned weight around, you know, what to expect of like normal adult life. Um, yeah, that's been really a lovely, you know, not entirely surprising surprise. Mm. Just how, yeah, how good and how nourishing it's been. And again, it was it was that before we crossed the threshold of marriage. But yeah, there was still any residue of like, okay, but people say once you're married, then, you know, Esther Perel's first most famous book, Mating in, Mating in Captivity. Oh, no. Yeah, mm. desire dies once you, like, have someone. Mm. Um, yeah, so that not being the case has been excellent. Mm. I don't know. Anything else? Mm. Yeah. I was thinking when you were talking about money, I was going to say, <clears throat> I think it's funny that both of us came into our relationship being like, like, I always was certain I was going to get a prenup yep. with someone. I was like, anybody I marry is signing a prenup. Same. Not always, but for a bunch of years, I also had that. Yeah. And I think at the beginning of our relationship, like, you would express that fear quite a bit. Like, oh, you're going to, like, you know. And I was like, I'll sign a prenup. Like, I was, I'm going to have you sign a prenup. <laughs> like, and then we ended up just. When, by the time we got married, we were like, this doesn't matter at all. We never even drafted it up. We're just no, like, no, no. Okay, yeah, never mind. We trust each other and we're good. Yeah, no, but it was just like both of our positions in the first months of dating. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's funny. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right, final question. That oh. oh. Is that? I thought that was it. One more? Okay. Well, these are, we talked about five. 
And now this is like my final one, but it's kind of similar to what we already touched on now. Go for it. Uh, and that was just, what would you want to tell your eight-year-old self? You will turn all of this into very useful stuff that will serve hundreds of millions of people. Hmm. So I know that it's been hard so far and I promise you that none of it is wasted because you make sure of it. Hmm. Like you're the one who doesn't waste it. So I know it's really tough right now and you want to opt out and that's, it's okay. Like you're allowed to, it sucks. This isn't fun, <clears throat> but yeah, you won't let it go to waste. I promise you. So you're doing great. Hmm. I'm going to cry now. Oh. That's nice. I am. Um, I often picture Jordan when he is a little boy. And in certain moments, I like see him as a little boy, and I wish I could just take him in my arms and hug him. Be like, I love you. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, again, I know that that's like what would have mattered most is just like, is all this for nothing? Is like, was a big part of the fear. Mm. And it's me being like, no. You make it all useful. Mm. So, you know, am I Shakespeare? Will any of my body of work live, you know, more than 20 years past my death? Who knows? Who cares? That's not, you know, if it served any people while they were alive, to me, that's like, it was useful for any sliver of human history. Mm. So like mission accomplished. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would just, I'd say that. Like you're allowed to feel sad. This makes mm -hmm. sense. But yeah, it doesn't go to waste. So there's that. And he'd be like, okay. That's good enough for me. Huh. Okay, that's the end of all my questions. That's a great set of questions, my love. Thanks. I came up with them all right before while we were sitting on the bed together. We both came up with our ideas same day of each interview. This mm. one and the last one. Great questions. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Sliver of My Life. This was pretty fun. I feel like I feel like maybe we could come up with more ideas of like fun things like this to do with each other. Like theme type things. Yeah, yeah. We can do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, everyone. Uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs> What? We will plural? Do we? Oh know? well, I I don't know. I will at yeah. least, and yes. we'll we. I meant like we will see you next time we are both here together, Got which it. will be another time. Yes. But who knows if it is next episode or we don't know more in the future. We'll see. <laughs> okay, that's all for now, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.